0: I've decided while Susanna was reading the scripture, in fact, that I would just reenact the story that she told. Would that be all right? So I need to start in Jerusalem. Timing is everything. How something occurs to you and what it means is concealed in the timing of it. So the writers, of the Gospels are careful to tell us the timing of the resurrection. Now, nobody knows for sure when Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, actually rose from the dead. All we know is when it first occurred to them, when they noticed. Matthew and Mark say it happened after the Sabbath Luke says, very early in the morning, John says, while it was still dark. Matthew says, it was just before dawn. Luke says, early in the morning, Mark says, as the sun was rising. Skeptics like to point out the contradiction in the timing as if this were a flaw, but they miss the point. The point is not to tell us the time of day, the point is to tell us how it occurred to them. And so John says Easter happens while it is still dark. And Mark says, Easter happens just before dawn. Matthew says, it will happen after the Sabbath. And Luke says, it'll come very early in the morning. All four gospels say it happened on the first day of the week. This is because in the Bible, the first day always marks the beginning of something new. It's a restart. The past day, week is over. It's an entirely new time. So Easter, they all say, marks the end of the previous Era in the beginning of a whole new week. So, Bart would say Easter is a new eon of time. It's a new shape of the world. It's when everything we know of has changed on the first day of the week. It's one thing. To believe in Easter, it's something else when it occurs to you. When you believe in it, you say, he is risen. But when it occurs to you, you hear other phrases you didn't hear before. People, Easter didn't just happen It has occurred to me. This morning when I got out of bed, I heard a voice say, He is going ahead of you. There you will see him. On my way home, I'll stop at the cemetery and look at two graves of family members I've buried in the last three years. And I'll hear another voice say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? By the time I get home tonight, I will hear another voice say, don't be afraid. Go tell the disciples. And just before I turn in, I'll hear another voice say, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you All of those voices happened on the same day, Easter. This is that day. Now, in Luke's mind, everything happens in Jerusalem and everything happens on the same day. Every transition in the story in Luke 24, read it when you get home, is a continuation of what started that day. And the only two times in Luke's story where we have any idea what time of day it is, is in verse one and in verse 29. In verse 1, it says, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb and found that it was empty. And in verse 29, it says, the day is almost over. The evening is near. One translation says, the day is spent The night is upon us. So those are the only two time frames you have. One in the very early morning and the other at the end of the day. Every other story occurs in between those two times. And when you get to the end of Luke 24, you find that the Jesus who actually came back from the dead before dawn has actually appeared to his disciples for the very first time. And so the end of the day is actually the beginning of the day. We've come to the end, and it's the beginning. The end is where we start from. I'm just playing with words until it occurs to you. And when it becomes your story, you'll see the significance of every phrase Luke has loaded into this story. In spite of the fact that this is that day there are some who are stuck what's hard to believe is that jesus could be alive again and the people the religious people he never appeared to anyone who didn't already believe the religious people who are supposed to believe this? The ones of us that are closest to the action are actually the ones who are struggling. And so there is this beautiful story of two disciples on the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus, Susanna read, is a seven mile, two and a half hour stretch that leaves. Jerusalem, where the community was gathered. We know that they were there at the beginning because they allude to the women's reports. They talk about our companions who went to the tomb and tell us that the tomb is empty, but him they did not see. So this road to Emmaus is a road of departure. It represents people that have followed Jesus as long as they could, but enough is enough. And they are disillusioned, and they're still in shock. We will learn later that they are foolish and slow of heart to believe. And this doesn't mean, people, that they were stupid. This This means that they have not yet oriented themselves around the things they once said was true. They heard it. They even believed it, but it hasn't occurred to them yet. And so their heart is slow. They say that a message can travel around the world in seconds, but that last 12 inches from the head to the heart can take years. And so they've heard the message and they've processed it like we have this morning. They've taught it and they've studied it and they've professed it, but it hasn't taken hold of them. And so it's not there when they need it. And it's partway through the day. It's the third day and nothing has happened, they think and they start on their journey. Oh, this is like so many of us in the room right now. Is it not? You heard these stories as children and you went to class and some apologist or some theologian could prove logically that the tomb was empty But him they did not see. Him they did not see. You haven't met anyone who was in a room when Jesus came into the room. And so all you have this morning are stories, these mysteries. They're interesting, but they haven't occurred to you yet. And you're somewhere on this seven mile stretch in between all the things you expected and everything you still want. Emmaus is that space in between. They call this liminal space. It's, it's that space in between your past expectations and your future hopes. But this here on Emmaus are your current realities. Nothing that is happening to you on this road lines up with what you once believed or what you still hope is true. You're in liminal space. You have to leave the place you once were because you can't believe that stuff anymore. It doesn't line up with reality, but you don't know what to believe. And so you just wander with your friends on the road to Emmaus. The closest we have to this in the Old Testament is Abraham. When he was called out of his homeland into a land, well, I'll show you later. Have you ever been there? You have Israel when the sea is parted, the miracle has happened, and you begin an 11 day walk to the promised land that takes 40 years Exodus says, you don't go down the straight road. He takes you down the crooked road. That's liminal space. (laughs) You once believed every promise Yahweh has made, but the Babylonians have just destroyed your temple. And all you have left now is a dream Of rebuilding it you're in liminal space I think that there are many in that space this morning people it's been a year hasn't it can we just take a moment and exhale we have lost family and we have lost friends and more than that We have lost our confidence. We've lost our swagger. Our cheerfulness, our hope, our spontaneity, our freedom, our laughter has been muted. When I ask people, what's different from a year ago? You know what they say? They say, I don't take as many chances as I used to take. I don't. I don't plan things the way that I used to plan them because I've learned everything can change in a moment. Some people talk about the narrowing of a bandwidth of emotions. They say, you know, what What used to be hysterical is now only funny, and what used to be tragic is just another loss. How many of these have we racked up in the last 12 months? A year ago, this room was empty. It would stay that way more than three months. I didn't think we'd ever get back. By the sounds of it, I don't think we'll ever get these masks off either. (laughs) We're in liminal space. Can't live the way we used to. But we don't know where the heck we're going. Here's the beauty of the story. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus catches up with them. <laughs> Every other road in the Gospels is his road, and he's always calling us onto his road that heads to Calvary, not after Easter. After Easter, it's our road. And he's the one who catches up with us. You know what this means? It means that if I have just described you a moment ago or if I've described somebody that you know and love and you start to sense they're drifting from religion, if there are people that are not here this morning and you wonder if they're ever coming back, The numbers I'm hearing is about 33% of all people that were regular attenders a year ago are no longer attending online or in person. Their churches still think, oh, they're watching, but they're gone on the road to Emmaus. They can't do that anymore. So they've drifted. And some of them are your friends. And you wonder if you'll ever see them again. Here's the good news. Wherever they are, Jesus will find them. In fact, he may have found them already. Only they don't know it's him. Hmm. What are you talking about? He says. So you tell him everything that has happened. You, you're shocked. How can this person be the only person who does not know what has happened in these last 12 months? Do I have to explain, oh, I'm tired of talking about this. And so you just start venting. You start gushing all of this emotion, talking to this stranger about everything that has happened. And what strikes me about this is he listens patiently for the longest time until you're done. And then when you're done, he starts talking. And when he talks, it occurs to you, he not only knows what has happened, he knows all that has happened. He has taken the little story that you've told him when you were gushing, and he has put it in the backdrop of a much larger story. And he's told you this is not only what happened, this is what had to happen so that God would have his way. In the suffering, he says, was the glory, not afterwards. It was in that very moment. It was while you were mourning, you were comforted, not afterwards. You never had to leave the dilemma to find him. He was always there and it was always inside the scope of his beautiful plan. So you stop talking and you start listening. And it occurs to you that you and the stranger are talking about the same thing, but you're talking about it in very different ways. And he seems so right. And you want to believe. But you're nearing the end of your journey. And there is this accidental moment where, well... The NIV puts it beautifully. It says, as they arrived at home, he pretended to be going farther. Oh, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? There's this awkward moment when they're at the door, I think, to their house, and, and it's like Jesus stops for a second, and, there's, and the look in his eye is... Is this it? Was that just a sermon? But the look in his body is I'm ready to go on. And in this very subtle, incidental, almost accidental moment, one of them just blurts out, Come on and stay the night. The day is almost over, and the night is upon us. If he doesn't make that ask, nothing happens. After this moment. Everything that follows. Follows that awkward moment. Where they decide to invite him in. So he goes in. And you scurry together something to eat. Because it's late in the day and as you're reclining around the table, you start to notice these actions. You've seen them before. It says in, in the story that he, he took the bread and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, and he gave it to them. And when he did that, the lights come on, don't they? You realize this is not a stranger at all. This is him. He's back seven miles away from the community where you left him. He's back in the heart of your confusion, your pain, your disillusionment with religion. All of the rumors, gone. You no longer believe in Easter. You know it because you met him. And you met him at the table. So you jump up and you scurry seven miles back to the place where you began and you start talking. This time, you sound like one of those fanatics who were talking to you when the day began, but now it's occurred to you. You've seen it. You've felt it. It's real. It is right in front of you. I saw it, you say, when he broke the bread. That's when the lights come on, and I knew it was him. And suddenly, out of the blue, (sighs) there he is again. And the road to Emmaus, well, the road to Emmaus is a movement in seeing him. When the day begins, you see him, but you don't recognize him. And when the day ends, you recognize him and he vanishes from your midst. Now you recognize whom you can't see. You weren't only looking in the wrong places. You were looking in the wrong way. Christ is present always where his people gather. Every time the bread is broken, whenever the scriptures are read, whenever the body gathers Christ is present again, and all of it is on the same day. It's always Easter, even late in the day, just before dark, it's still Easter because Christ is present. If you've come to help us uh, serve communion this morning, this would be a great time for you to make your way to the front. I want us to reenact as much as we can that moment where the bread was broken and their eyes were opened, and the moment they recognized him, He vanished, and yet they knew he was still there. I went looking through the Old Testament to find prophecies where God spoke of a day that was coming, that time in the future when the journey on the road to Emmaus would end. And the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and some of the minor prophets spoke eloquently about that day. On that day, they said, the haughtiness of men will be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of Israel. On that day, he will take away the burden from our shoulders and the yoke from our necks. He will recover the remnant of his people and they will proclaim his name and tell the world what he has done. On that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the bondage and they will return to it. And there will be a highway of the Lord leading out of bondage, and they will travel on it and return home. On that day, the deaf will hear, and the blind will see, and the word of the Lord will be known again by the people, and every person will cast away their idols, and the Lord God will break the yoke off of their necks and free them. God himself will deliver them on that day and they will not be given over to others when they are afraid. This is that day. (laughs) Jesus said the time is coming and has now come when those who hear the voice of the Son of Man will live. Church, now is that time, and this is that day and it will never end. So however it feels for you this morning, however tired you are, however confused, however many rumors you can't put down of empty tombs and proof of this or that, we have prayed this morning that you would see him and that you'd see him from the inside in a way that is indelibly stamped on your mind and your identity so that when you leave, You are new again.